Let's open back up to Galatians chapter 5, the last few verses of the chapter. And let's pray. Our Father, thank you for another Lord's Day. Thank you that you have given us a knowledge of you. Thank you that we know your Son. Thank you that the Spirit is at work in us bearing this fruit that comes from Him indwelling Your people. Father, we pray that as we study Your Word that You would give us minds that are focused and uh, joyful as we consider the things that You are doing in us and in the world. Lord, thank You for, the, for bending low and for considering us and, uh, Lord, all of your mercies that are new every morning. And we pray that we would have thankful hearts this day and all through this week, and that we would be uh, continually giving voice to the things that we're thankful for. And, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're back into the section on the fruit of the Spirit. So we'll read 22 through 24 of chapter 5. This is Galatians 5, 22 to 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so we've gone up to through patience, and so we'll take up kindness, goodness, and faithfulness today as fruit of the Spirit. And... Um, who remembers the compound word uh, behind the word patience? Yes, it's macrothumia, long-suffering. And that's sort of opposed to being short-tempered, right? If you're patient, um, you are long-suffering. If you are impatient, you are short-tempered and easily angered. And we, uh, we considered a number of verses um, when it came to patience, uh, and we are called to be patient with people and patient in circumstances. Some of us are more frustrated with people, some of us are more frustrated with circumstances, right? So we can, um, we can uh, do pretty well with difficult circumstances, but then somebody who... Um, somebody with a particular personality comes up against us and we just lose all of our patience. Or vice versa, some people, persons, get along with everybody and then uh, the littlest affliction comes along in God's providence and they become like Israel in the wilderness, grumbling and complaining about uh, these afflictions that they're suffering. Both of those are examples of patience or impatience. And so, um, <clears throat> we get to kindness after patience, and um, the Greek here is krestotes, and it is 
really a good definition is being charitable in our treatment and assessment of others, but especially of the undeserving. Okay? Let me say that again, and you start thinking about yourself and um, how others have treated you. Being charitable in our assessment and treatment of others, especially the undeserving. And so when we pray and we thank God for his kindness, we are acknowledging that we're unworthy of it, right? And yet he's, he's been kind to us. He was mindful of us. He made us. He's cared for us. He's mindful of us. He knows that we have fallen in our father Adam, and then he rescued us from death, and he reconciled us to himself, and he's done all of that work. And that is a work of kindness to those who don't deserve it. And that is the mercy of God toward us. Um, another, another quick definition of kindness would be a sympathizing temper. A temper that is, is more inclined to not become angry, but really rather to sympathize with others. Uh, that kindness that is uh, we should show. Um, <clears throat> flipping back to the Gospels, uh, looking for something here. <clears throat> yeah, from Luke six twenty seven. Um, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. But that, you know, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, right? Those who hate you are, in a sense, undeserving of your mercy. And yet, it's those that we exercise our kindness toward. Um, and so this is a step beyond patience, isn't it? It's one thing to be patient toward people. It's another thing to actually be proactively blessing them, right? We can endure people patiently, but then to be kind to them on top of that is taking us beyond patience. It's um, the commentary I'm using as I prepare says, kindness is not merely enduring the foolishness and failure of others. Kindness is not content merely to tolerate. It is not content with merely putting up with another. It must actually return acts of love. It refuses to be unkind. It will not insult. It will not degrade. It, will, it is courteous to enemies. It is helpful to critics. It is good to those who hate it. It blesses those who curse. It prays for those who mistreat. So it's it's in the face of um, it's in the face of that uh, of enemies of the undeserving that we actually return uh, good to them, and that's that's kindness. Um, Think of uh, a few examples here. Louis Zamperini. Does anybody know who Louis Zamperini is? What did he do? You've read the book, right? What is it called? Unbroken. Unbroken. It was made into a movie which destroyed it, I think. Read the book. Don't read, don't read the movie. But Louis Zamperini was a uh, World War II... Um, 
prison of, prisoner of war in the worst possible place you could be a prisoner of war, and that was in Japan. Okay, American soldier captured by the Japanese. And um, later in his life, I believe at a Billy Graham crusade, he was saved, and he was instantly compelled to go back and minister to all of the soldiers, the Japanese soldiers who had tortured him. And he did. <laughs> he did do that. That's an example of kindness, right? He had every re everybody would have been on his side if he had just said, look, they tortured me. I won't forgive them ever. You know? Everybody would have taken his side. Everybody would have defended him, would have said, yeah, that's the way you should feel. That's the way you should react to that. But the gospel softened his heart and he wanted to go back and he wanted those that had tortured him terribly to know the Lord and know the gospel. There's another example of that in Elizabeth Elliot returning to the Alka Indians to share the gospel after her husband and his friends were killed at their first contact. So they go and uh, try to build a relationship with these Indians. They make it about 15, 20 minutes, and they're killed. Maybe it's longer. Maybe they had more interaction than that, but it was not a lot. They land the plane, they get off the plane, they have an encounter, they're dead before the evening comes. And Elizabeth Elliot loses the love of her life and then decides to go back to the same tribe that had killed her husband and share the gospel with them. And does so for a number of years and leads them to faith and is used by the Lord. That's kindness. That is a great example of kindness. Any other examples of that sort of kindness come to your minds? Corey Ten Boom? Yeah, another great example, historical example. Yeah. Anybody experienced that sort of kindness when you, you were the enemy and someone showed you kindness? It's such a convicting thing when that happens. Yeah, Bob. Yep. Yeah, I think so. I, th I have a different reading on Southern kindness, but I won't go there. <laughs> well, I mean, if we really want to talk about it, there is a kindness that is a veneer. You know, there's a kindness you can put forward that is not heartfelt, right? So it's a presenting sort of kindness. And that's, that's hypocrisy. And that should be avoided. We all engage in that sort of put on, a, put on a good look, you know. But in our heart, we're like cursing. 
That's not kindness, right? That might be some tiny little bit of forbearance in the fact that you're not expressing what's in your heart. But kindness is in, even in the heart, right? I mean, kindness is going back to people who killed your spouse. I mean, that's just, that's Christ-like. Yeah. Yeah. They, they actually forgive you beyond words, right? And they process it. And they, and they tell you, you know, here's, here's what I went through, right, to forgive you. And, and I do forgive you. And this is the proof of it. Yeah, that is, that is a real blessing. Uncommon blessing. Yeah, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Calling his lawyer. That's you were undeserving, and he blessed you, and that is an example of goodness. Yeah, we've all been recipients of this, haven't we? I mean, we've, and and certainly the goodness of the Lord. We all have received, you know, grace upon grace. I mean, this has been God's, God's kindness to us is, um, and goodness to us is unparalleled, right? We were his enemies, and he sent his son to die for us, you know, and so we, we all have experienced this on that level. And in this life, any other examples? It's helpful to think through. Any other any examples of where you've been the one who have shown the the kindness to and goodness to others? And uh, no one wants to talk about themselves in that that light now, right? Well, um, that's that's kindness. Uh, the kindness of the Lord to us is um, to be imitated, and we are to be kind to those who have, who have, who are undeserving. All right. The next one is a goodness, 
and that's um, this this one takes a little bit of an explanation and and I want to turn to first Thessalonians to uh, do so. I always think Thessalonians is after Timothy, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's at the end of the IANs. So, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 says this, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Okay, so what you notice in there is there's a call to be patient with everyone. And, um, and yet, the first of the string of uh, exhortations here is admonish the unruly. Right? Being patient with everyone does not mean that you don't ever admonish. Right? There, there's a time for admonishment, and admonishment is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But some would so de- define being patient with everyone as don't ever say no, don't ever admonish, don't ever correct, there's no place for discipline, right? It's, it's sort of the approach that, that modern culture gives with parenting. You have to always be yes, but you can't spank children, you know. And you can't say no, and you can't corporally discipline them at all. And, and so good, so we've been going through um, kindness and patience and all this, and we get to goodness. And, um, and so I, I wanted to bring that verse out as sort of an explanation because goodness is doing the good thing. Goodness is doing the right thing. Right? The, it is doing the, the proper thing and sometimes it's not going to look like patience or kindness. But goodness is doing what is right. Okay, Now when Jesus chased the money changers out of the temple and turned over the tables, it was not kind perhaps, but it was good. Right? It was not kind on its face, but it was good. It was right of him to charge in there and get uh, aggressive with how they had turned his father's house into a, a, uh, a business, right? That was robbing people. And so that's, um, it, it, is, it is, so goodness is to confront evil and to exhort the undisciplined, right? Be patient is all, is, you know, admonish the unruly and be patient, hang together. And so, um, uh, I think, so doing the right thing, doing the proper thing, doing that which is good, sometimes that is going to seemingly lack kindness. If, if kindness had been what, what Jesus was going for in the temple, 
he would have gone in and he would have, what? How would it have been different? It's hard to even tell how it would be different because we're trying to compute, well, what he did was good, but not necessarily or not obviously kind. I mean, he, he smashed their means of making money, right? It was a very aggressive move. He made whips to get those animals out of there, right? All of their, their profit, all of the, he was shutting it down. And it was absolutely the right thing to do. And it was even aggressive in the style that he did it. But if he went in in kindness, I guess he would have just urged them to maybe reconsider their position. You know, have you considered that this, this might possibly be, you know, making my father's house a, a robber's den? Had that ever occurred to you? You know, might we, might we take these animals outside and, and outside the gates? And maybe you could sell them there for a, you know, not a inflated rate, but just, a, you know, the, the going price. That would have been kind, right? It would have been kind, but it would not have been good. So... It was the right thing to do for him to take immediate action in that case and shut down that which was evil. Okay? It was evil what was going on there. Anybody else want to express that in a better way than I just did, perhaps? Yeah. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Okay. No, they were not. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But that makes them undeserving, right? They they did not. They were undeserving, and so. It is hard to, it's hard to parse this just perfectly, that Jesus wasn't being kind, but he was being good. But I think saying that helps us to, to come to terms with the fact that there, there's a time for kindness, right? There's a time to overlook somebody's undeserving status. But then there's also the time to be good and do what is right and say what needs to be said and take action and that is a fruit of the Spirit. So the Spirit produces both kindness and goodness. And they, it takes the discernment of the Spirit to know when to enact kindness and when to enact goodness. And uh, Jesus did it perfectly. And so we see, um, we see his kindness with the woman at the well. Right? And we see his kindness with those who are suffering. And, um, and then we see his goodness when it comes to the wicked Pharisees, right? Uh, the Pharisees and um, scribes who had turned his father's house into uh, a place of robbery. And so, 
I, it, it's hard for us to distinguish this, but there, um, there are some people who are so kind they can't ever be good. Right? They're just, they're so kind. They're not helpful in any confrontation, ever. They'll just like bend over backwards to, to keep the peace. They're ironic, right? They're just always about that. And they can't ever say anything hard or true or aggressive, right? And then on the other hand, there are people who are only in that mode ever, right? It's like, we've got to do the right thing. We've got to be principled, and we're going to stick to this, and it doesn't matter what anybody feels, right? We've got to be good, but we're never going to be kind. <laughs> That's most of the Reformed Presbyterian church, Right? They're good, you know. They hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, but they've lost their first love, right? They've lost their kindness. Um, and so, I hope that's helpful in distinguishing these two. That's about as deep as I can take it. Yeah, Larry, take us deeper. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could give them a hundred bucks and relieve their suffering, but it's not kind, right? And it's not gonna it's not gonna help them. And goodness would come in and say. You have to stop, and this is going to be hard, and I'm going to, you know, it's going to take discipline. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any other comments on, yeah? Maybe. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, let's take, yeah, let's take that even a step further. That's a good example that I hadn't uh, thought about. King David, Saul is persecuting him. Saul wants to, Saul wants to put a you know, spear through his neck and kill him. And David has the opportunity to exact vengeance for that offense and does not take it and then regrets that he even cut off the hem of his robe, right? And laments that he did that, that he had acted against the Lord's anointed, right? And then, and then David has Solomon kill all of his enemies. It's the first thing Solomon has to do. He gets a hit list from King David. Kindness and goodness. The enemies of the king would be taken care of 
God had forbidden him, being a man of bloodshed, to do so. But that doesn't mean that the enemies of God and the kingdom didn't need to be dealt with. And so Solomon gets to take up that happy act of, of killing three figureheads. I mean, that seems too generic, right? I mean, but maybe it fits, you know? I mean, really, I think goodness is encapsulated in doing what's right. It's action rather than a status of, um, or a perception of somebody's being or something. So, anyway, I think that's helpful. Someone else had their hand up. Yeah, sir. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, that's helpful. Yeah. I think we get it, right? We get the difference here between kindness and goodness. Kindness makes, makes um, the principle to angry. You know? And goodness makes the, the softies angry. Right? The softies don't ever want to be confrontational or do what's right in a way that offends anybody, right? So, but we have to be, but the, the fruit of the Spirit is both of these characteristics are produced in, in His people. And so that's why I say there really has to be spiritual discernment when it's, when you should go into kindness or goodness mode, right? And you really have to exercise this. You can't be dogmatic and live only in one side, and the, eat, and the two sides actually discipline the other side and inform the other side, you know? And so um, it takes a lot of, it takes, uh, get counsel. <laughs> it takes counsel, you know? It takes help. Um, faithfulness is the next one. Pistis in the Greek. And this is faithfulness I'm taking in the sense as similar to endurance or perseverance. Faithfulness, being faithful. A faithful man is somebody who's given a task and he does it for the next 10 years, right? Just some mundane task you give to him. A faithful man does it well and keeps at it. A faithless or an unfaithful man gives it up after 
um, no one's looking, right? And so this is like steadfastness. This is like endurance. Um, Psalm 15 verse 4 says this, and I think this is a good example of faithfulness. Psalm 15 4 says, um, I'll read from 3. He does not, this is speaking of the godly man, he does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. That's faithfulness. When you swear to your own hurt and do not change. When you swear and you, you vow something that's painful, right, and you do not change. So, um, faithfulness, I mean, it's being committed. Faithfulness is being committed. Um, faithfulness often looks unimaginative, safe, and boring. A mother who is faithful to nurture her children year after year. Right? A marriage. In marriage, this is where we want faithfulness to be uh, exhibited. Right? Marriage. A husband who is faithful to love his wife. A wife who is faithful to love and respect her husband. Uh, through it, ups and downs, through the years, um, that slow, steady faithfulness. An employee who faithfully stays put in his position due to loyalty even when other offers come along, that might be better, right? A faithful employee is one who has a sense of loyalty. Um, Jesus is and was faithful to our benefit, right? I mean... Think of, uh, think of, we all know where the book of Revelation is, right? That one's easy. Um, and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. And so Jesus sitting on that white, white horse is called faithful, right? He promised to return. He promised to keep his children. He promised to, that a sword would come from his mouth and destroy the nations. And indeed, one day, we will see him and we will say, there is he who is faithful, and so that's our example. That faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit that is, arises in the hearts of, the, of, tr of believers. Um, does faithful, I, I wrote in my notes, does faithfulness as a civic virtue even exist anymore? It used to as a civic. And what I mean by civic virtue is is not by fruit of the Spirit, but just as a civic sort of cultural virtue, the residue of, of having Christians around, right, um, was faithfulness, was respected, right? Our, our form of government is, is sort of a, a promise made. And, and faithfulness, being a man of your word, being uh, somebody who is trustworthy, that was just a civic virtue we had. That 
in my mind, does not exist anymore or is very much drying up. And, and it's because of this. No one exercises loyalty beyond self-loyalty today. Self-loyalty. Be true to yourself. Be authentic. Right? And so there is no such thing as loyalty anymore. The only person you're required by our civic virtue today to be loyal to is yourself. And so if anybody micro-aggressions you, you better care for yourself, right? If you have a boss who micro, micromanages you, well, you better look out for yourself, right? You, you need to jump ship. You need, and so the, the whole idea is we, um, n- no one has loyalty to anybody but themselves today. And, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. I just think we have a pandemic of it right now in American, probably Western, society. Um, We are not faithful people. We are not people of our word. We don't think loyalty is a virtue anymore, right? And that loyalty is, is grounds for extreme manipulation by people, right? But faithfulness is a Christian fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness. And that means exercising loyalty beyond being loyal to yourself. I saw a hand back here. Boom. Yeah, hey, the same thing happens in Evangel Presbytery. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, serve, serve yourself. Be careful about yourself. Be really tender with yourself. Um, and so there is self-faithfulness, whatever we want to call that. I mean, we, we, we could try and define that better than I have. But, but faithfulness as a characteristic, as a fruit of the Spirit, is something where you would see a production of loyalty, that you would see a long commitment that you fulfill, right? That, that commitment that God has made to us. He promises and His yes is yes, and His no is no, and our yeses need to be yes and our no's need to be no in the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If if your principles are right. Yeah. Being true to yourself means everyone does what is right in his own eyes. That's what it means today. Right? Yeah, it's changed. It's changed. Because the only principle we have is that whatever I feel is reality. Right? That's the principle of the day. Yeah, it wasn't a... Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible for, um, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, you have to codify things if a handshake or a man's word means nothing. Yeah, you got to get the lawyers involved, right? And there's a, there's a good time to have lawyers involved. But um, a man's word should be good, you know? Your word should be good. That's a fruit of the Spirit. You, your word should be good, and that's called faithfulness. And, and then ultimately, the Spirit produces faithfulness to God, right? Faithfulness to God. Um, what you want to hear at the end of your life when your body is laid in the ground and your spirit goes to be with God is, well done, good and faithful slave. Well done, good and faithful Right? You took his principles as your principles. You lived by them. In other words, being faithful to God means obeying God. Obeying God. Loving his standard. Loving his holiness. Right? So believe him, obey him. That is faithfulness. And the Spirit produces that. The Spirit will produce this, and faithfulness to God will look like obedience. That's what that will look like. It will be like, what must I do in this situation? And I must find it in the Word, and I must do that. It will, that's what the Spirit produces. So we're going to stop there. Does anybody, we have two minutes for a comment. Um, stop there. We won't go into gentleness, is what we have next. And... Then finally, self-control. All right, we'll hit those next time, but yeah, Zandy. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The mind informs the will, right? The, the mind informs the heart. And so we need knowledge of God. We need knowledge of his ways. We need that in order to then um, enact it by the will and be, remain faithful to it through Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Offends you, right? Yeah. Calls you a numbskull, whatever. Yes. Yep. Yep. Aggressive kindness. It's like aggressive submission. Yeah, yeah. 
oh, of course. I mean, the fruit of that could have been all kinds of conviction for all of those. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I still want to put that in the category of goodness and leave kindness for um, really those acts where we are overlooking the undeserved. I mean, overlooking somebody who really needs the slap in the face, right? They needed that. And if, if, you know, kindness would have been to handle that situation a completely different way than Jesus did. He could have. He could have, right? And he would have done it perfectly, and it would have yielded all kinds of fruit. Um, but there are times when we have to walk into a situation where we think, and we have to, in a sense, get down off of our high horse, and it feels like giving up our principles, and we just have to react with kindness. <laughs> and it's so painful for the principal to do that, right? It's so painful. But we see it all the time in God's kindness to us. Yes, yeah, of course, of course. All right, we're, we're done. We're out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage in your word. Thank you for the book of Galatians. Thank you for your servant, the Apostle Paul. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who inspired these words. And I pray as we think and continue to think on the fruit of the Spirit, um, Lord, that you would produce these godly characteristics in us in a richer measure deeper uh, lord and may we be thankful for that and may it um may it yield peace peace for others peace in our minds peace towards you we pray this in jesus name amen